Amen. It's good to see you guys here tonight. <clears throat> Super excited for tonight because uh, we started a series on prophecy and the prophetic. And so last week, I'm a, a, a challenged thinker, like I need to kind of have all the dots like laid out and connected for me. And in, in the realm of the prophetic and for prophecy, for me, there's always this mind gap that I couldn't justify my mind. Is this real or is this not real? Because a lot of the thought that I had growing up in, in well-intended churches and even my college education, which is a Christian education, they said that the gifts of the Spirit weren't for today. And so therefore, I was like going through the whole entire life of my faith trying to figure out what to do is, as opposed to who to connect with. That my Christian faith was really about trying to fall in line into doing the right things and to attending the right places and giving the right amounts. And suddenly I realized that I had been missing the voice of God my entire life because I was actually taught not to believe that it even exists. I pose the question to you, what would you say is if God was speaking to you your entire life up until now, but you never knew it, would you want to know? Would you want to know if God has been trying to reach you, trying to speak to you, trying to say, I am speaking to you, but you never knew it was me? Would you want to know? And would you want to fix it? That's solely my aim for you tonight, is to know exactly how God speaks to you. And so this is a continuation message from last week, which, as Eric stated, was a little bit more theological, a little heady. And I do that because I want us to stand firm on truth. I don't want us to be wishy-washy. Some people say, oh, that prophetic, there's no scripture to support it in basis. Well, I actually gave 30 passages last week about it so that we can stand upon it, that we can actually know what it is. And so if you want to find out questions such as, uh, is it still for today was one major question. And is it the same as in the Old Testament and the New Testament? And what does prophecy exactly do and why do we even have it? All those questions we got to answer last week, so I'm not going to talk about that as much as I want to go back and revisit all that, because it's an exciting topic, but I'm not. Because tonight is about having a revelation of the prophetic. And the big revelation from last week, besides all the things that we can stand upon, is actually we saw one of the only passages in the entire Bible that describes how do you prevent a move of God. There's not many of these passages. I've only ever found one. It's this one. It's a single passage I know for instructing us, if you want to stop a move of God, how do you do it? It says, do not quench the spirit, which means to put an extinguisher on a fire. Do not quench the spirit by despising the prophetic. It might be the single passage in all the Bible. It tells you how to stop a move of God. Are you with me? It's to despise the prophetic. And that word despise, it actually means to not account for. It means to put your fingers in your ears and pretend it doesn't exist. It means to ignore it, to stifle. It means to quench the spirit, put an extinguisher on the fire of God. The single passage I've ever found in the Bible, it tells us, is to despise the prophetic, despise what we're talking about tonight. So we continue this week moving towards the personal application of the prophetic. And so the goal for you is to understand how it works for you, how it operates in you. So let's start. How does the prophetic work? And, and this was the vexing question of my life. I don't know about you, but I've talked to many people who said, I've always wanted to hear God's voice, but never have. And we all know those people who hear God's voice, right? They're like, they kind of flaunt it, don't they? Like, yeah, I was eating like a candy bar and like God like just appeared in the Skittles or something. Like, like really? You're like, have you ever been discouraged by overhearing someone else's faith in their walk? 
Sometimes people would give me such a detailed explanation about how they're like having beers with God and how they're conversing to things. I'm like, I don't get this. And it made me feel inferior for a lot of my life. And not only that, but it made me question like, you're a phony. You didn't have a beer with God. Come on. But there's this troubling thing where someone would cast such a dynamic, crazy relationship with God, and then I'd compare it with mine. And I feel like I'm failing. How many know that when you fail at something long enough, you give up? No one likes to suck at anything for that much time. And so there are periods in my life like, I want to hear God's voice. I want to know him. I want to embrace the spirit. I want to know what that looks like. And I'd, I'd have people praying for me. I'd, I actually had an evening where 10 people laid hands on me praying and told me exactly what the prophetic would look like and prayed for 20 minutes and nothing happened. I wonder if I was saved. I was like, is this on? And it's like, I, I'm, not, I'm not receiving what you're telling me I should receive and I'm not going to fake it either. Please don't fake it. Don't fake it. I don't want my wife to tell me your breath smells great when it stinks. Like, I want authentic relationship with Jesus and never settle for anything less than the authentic thing. Because the authentic thing is so much better than the manufactured thing. But for me, I was always comparing myself with people who are vastly prophetic, giving me grand details, and here I feel like I'm the miserable failure. I don't even... I'm not even connected to God the way you are. Am I doing this wrong? And so you therefore have people on two opposite extremes. One extreme is that people say, there is no prophetic, right? There's like people who just like reject it outright. And then you have the very prophetic people, and it's kind of like this crusade to get everyone to be prophetic. You have these two wild opposite extremes, and they're always in tension, you have one saying, what you are doing, it doesn't exist. And you have the other people saying, I need to make it like you. I need you to be like this and operate in the prophetic. And to both these extremes, here is the simple truth. You already are prophetic. The simple truth is if you are in Christ, if you have pledged your soul and your life and your heart to Jesus, if he has renewed you and come into your life, you are already prophetic whether you like it or not. If you are in Christ, you are his very essence living in you. You are the breathing temple of God. God's spirit emanates from you. Whether you like it or not, if Christ is in you, he is emanating from you. That's why he calls you the light of the world, the salt of the earth. He says that you are a sweet aroma, whether or not you want it or not. That's what happened when Jesus came into your life. You're equipping is prophetic in nature. It proves that even as a new believer, you are prophetic. The moment you receive Christ, your being, your nature turns into a prophetic being. We talked about that last week in the promises of the new covenant. That you've been transformed into little mini tabernacles where God's presence dwells among all of us. Beyond that, you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. It's the most mind-blowing passage in all the scripture. And that you hear God's voice and that you are taught by his spirit. Those are the promises for you in Christ. Now, I'm no expert, but that kind of sounds a little prophetic to me. You've been given the mind of Christ. You hear his voice. You're taught by his spirit and you're his dwelling place. That sounds like a really prophetic description, does it not? Let me put it to you this way. Why would God give you the mind of Christ and then have no thoughts? 
Why would God give you his voice and say nothing? Why would God say he teaches you in the spirit and then never teach you? I don't know what the return policy is, but for a lot of my life, I had all the equipment that was never working. If you're a Christian and you're not hearing God's voice, you're getting it wrong because you have his thoughts. You are learning something from him. If you're not doing that, something is broken. And that's why we call in the prophetic activation. You already are prophetic. You just might not be activated. How many know that you can buy a cell phone and until you call and activate it with the carrier, it doesn't work? You own the phone, but until you activate that phone, it's just a really heavy paperweight. That's the same thing for prophetic. You are prophetic in your nature if you're in Christ. You just need to be activated. So you don't need to be afraid of the prophetic if you're like, nothing's prophetic. I'm terrified of it. Well, you are. So we can get over that. And then if you are on the other side, it's like, I'm on this prophetic crusade to make everyone like me, like, they're already prophetic. Like, we can just stop the prayer groups, possibly. But sometimes I have a four-year-old little girl, and sometimes I have to, like, tell her, you've tasted this before when I introduce something new to her. She eats quesadillas about nine meals out of ten. And so quesadillas are cheese and tortillas, Right? So then one day came the shredded cheese on a topping. And it was like, oh, no. And she's like, refused to eat shredded cheese. I'm like, you've had this millions of times. (laughs) And convincing her, you have already tasted this. So if you're stressing out about the prophetic, like, okay, I might be prophetic in nature, but I've never operated in the the prophetic. Let me ask you, have you ever talked to anybody about Jesus? If so, you've actually participated in the spirit of prophecy. Because Revelation 19.20 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Anytime you talk about Jesus, let's get aside from the fact that you are this like beacon of Jesus emanating, this prophetic walking temple of God. Let's just like put that aside. Just simply having your life exist, the testimony of who you are because of Jesus, you're operating already in the spirit of prophecy. So you're not, you don't need to be afraid of it. And there's lots of boogeymen, people trying to scare people about it. But to be clear, prophecy and the prophetic are similar but two different things. That's what a lot of people don't get. This is what I thought is like, I assumed that I had to prophesy to be prophetic, which is not true. You are prophetic in nature, but prophecy is the individual gift that emanates from your prophetic nature. It's a gift. It's something you cultivate. It's something you accentuate. It's something you learn. It's something you fail at. It's something you get better at, or my terms, that you suck less at. (laughs) That is prophecy, but the prophetic, you are prophetic in nature. It's part of your essence. So you don't need to be stressed out about it. You don't need to be terrified of it. And if you walk in the prophetic, again, you can chill out because... We know that everyone around us, they're already prophetic. They just need to be activated. But part of the confusion over the prophetic lies in how the prophetic operates. I didn't operate prophetically for 20-some years because I was told that it operates in this exact way and only that way. That's why my prayer meeting failed. I made like 20 people feel really uncomfortable for a really long time. I don't know if you've ever felt that. 
I've made about 200 people feel really terrible on a flight coming back with my young children too. But that's a different story. <laughs> but the confusion lies in that people will say the prophetic is this because it's that for them. But that's not the truth. The truth is the prophetic is amazingly diverse. Anybody who says the prophetic is X, Y, Z, they don't know what they're talking about. You are prophetic. The prophetic is diverse. Some of our issues in the prophetic come from people saying that the prophetic only manifests in one way and never in the other way. There's no single way that God engages with us in the prophetic. I can't do an entire teaching on the prophetic because I can't cover the topic. Because God talked through a donkey. He talked through a burning bush. He talked through a whole bunch of things. And you, you're like, I, I can't explain all this. He's doing a lot of things. You, you have no rules to say what God does and does not do. It's a very limited list that you can say that to. But we need to debunk this, this notion that the prophetic is this one size fits all. Because when we do that, then we compare ourselves against someone else. And then we declare ourselves a failure. Because they didn't operate like they did. And we get scared and we reject and we pull back and we say God doesn't speak to his people. And you have an entire life attending church and never encountering the Spirit. Remember that we want to know God in every possible way. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans to know him. When you draw the territory to say, God, I'm going to know you like this. He doesn't want to fit in that confine. And some of us, we've given God a pass-fail test on his voice because we've defined the test in narrow terms. But what we can do is actually look at a few biblical examples for how God has manifest himself and his voice in the Bible. So here are some examples in the Bible for how God speaks prophetically to us. Now, notice in here, like, let me give this disclaimer that some of these will apply to you, some of them won't, and maybe none of them will. Don't stress out. These are just a few examples. And if I would have known these, I would have been activated in the prophetic much earlier in my life than I was. But because I never had this teaching that showed me how does God activate and engage the prophetic in each one of us? What are the symptoms? What are the examples? What are the ways that comes through? I never had that, and so I walked for so long in prophetic darkness when God was welcoming me into it. And the first is this. It's a burning heart. After the cross, Jesus returned. Remember, he walked alongside his disciples. And he talked. They didn't recognize him, and it says this, and then, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their side. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he is speaking to us on the road? Yeah. Learning to respond to your heart will open it up to receive God's heart. The heart is one of the most misunderstood things in the world. We have a lot of teachings. I've taught them about how you can't trust the heart. Because sometimes you can't, but sometimes you must. The thing is that you need to take the heart and test it. You need to be able to test what the heart is saying. Some people have it just like an on-off switch, like everything goes or none of it. You know, and it's, it's not that. God calls us to test. There's some things I need to test. When my heart is racing, my heart is feeling like it wants something, and I ask myself, it's really just a dirt bike, is that God? You know? <laughs> I have to ask, when my heart is burning, is it for love or is it for lust? Let me tell you, my heart like longs for lots of things. 
I saw the new Tesla just had a price decrease. I'm like, yes, Jesus. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not the Spirit of the Lord. Not that he has anything wrong with amazing cars. But I shouldn't go out there and mortgage my ch- children's future because I felt God press on my heart for Tesla. We just spent a month at the beach. I'm like, I told my wife, I was like, I feel the Lord calling me to this view. It's like very clear, you know. We get ourselves in a lot of trouble when we just accept everything that comes in our heart. But we must examine when God does speak to our heart. Not everything your heart feels is from God. But sometimes he does use your heart to speak. For me, like when I have a broken heart, when I feel my heart break for something, I know God's in it, and it's the most frustrating thing ever. It's like when I start to like feel that like sadness well up, I see that person on, on the side of the street. I see this, you know, I saw a de- dejected man on the side of the street. And he's weeping, and it's like, I knew that God was calling me to go talk to him, and I disobeyed. It was like I chickened out. But in that moment, I say, well, God's not speaking to me. We're so selective. We're so selective when we say God is telling me, like, God's calling me to have a test on a beach view. Amen. But is God calling me to love on that man who's got total brokenness? Eh, maybe not. And I missed an opportunity. I have no idea what that appointment had, but I missed it because I rejected what my heart felt in that moment. And that's how God speaks to me. The next way that God speaks to us is in Scripture. Have you ever had times where you've read a Bible verse and you're like, I've read this a million times, and for the first time it makes sense? Or the first time, like, it says that? That's amazing. That is why Hebrews 4 says, for the Word of God is alive and active. We come to the Bible with like, oh, a dead stack of trees with a whole bunch of words on it, and it's in tough language, and we come to the scriptures with such a bummer mentality and attitude. We read it like an encyclopedia, don't we? Instead, we should be reading the scriptures like it's a love letter to us. I love reading the scriptures because I always find something in there that I've read a ton of times before that suddenly applies to me today. It's amazing. And if you're not finding something that applies to you, you're either reading too much or you're not listening enough. One time I was doing some scripture reading with some guys, and I had a, a guy who challenged me. He's like, I want for 30 days you to read the Bible. It's like, okay, I can do that. It's like, and read only one verse a day and get something out of it. You know what the first verse was? Peter, an apostle of Christ. It's like, what am I supposed to get out of this? Like, this isn't fair. Sorry, the assignment, like, one verse. Peter, apostle of Christ. Peter, apostle of Christ. It's like, Peter rejected Jesus. He was an embarrassment. And here he's calling Peter an apostle of Christ? Whoa. That's pretty significant that he can have this radical transformation. What happened in Peter's life that he could have the most utter failure and then pen the letter that says, Peter, an apostle of Christ. (laughs) But what we do is we read the four letters and move on up. There's nothing there for me. But we need to have the scripture. We have to have it open up. And we have to be ready to take it slow, but also be ready to listen. We have to come to the word with an expectation. It's not about 
completing a Bible plan. It's not about getting through an entire chapter. It's not all those things that I've done my entire life. It's actually about having an encounter with God's voice in the scriptures. You open the scripture and say, God, your word's alive. It's active. I'm ready to listen. If you don't hear anything, you're reading too much. Sit and dwell on it. When my wife and I were dating, I guess she was my wife then, even though I wanted it to be that way, and she would, like, write me a note, I would, like, obsess over every word. Where, where's the comma? And she's like, what does she mean by the? Oh, man, like, that's amazing. But when we have that obsession with the Scriptures, suddenly we get amazing revelation. And if we don't have that obsession, it's because someone has ruined the Scriptures for us along the way. And we need to read the Scriptures with that great expectation, like, I cannot wait for what God is going to reveal to me. I can't read long stretches in the Bible because I get too much out of it now. And I get discouraged, like, if I don't have, I have this whole routine. When I read the scriptures, I have to have my highlighter. I have to have, like, my Bible. I have to have a laptop at all times. Because if I read a passage, like, I'm going to want to remember what it means to me, and I have nothing to write it down with. So if I don't have a laptop, I just, like, I don't read the scriptures. I'm like, I can't write it down fast enough, and I hate my handwriting. But that's now... What is cultivated in my life is I have this expectation, like every single time I go, I'm going to find something for me. So God has dramatically increased his voice in my life through the scriptures. Again, this is all prophetic. This is all prophetic. This is not like magic. This is the prophetic essence in you coming alive. The third is a voice. This is the one we're all familiar with. This is the one where someone says, Yeah, and God, like, audibly spoke to me and said X, Y, Z. Now, I've heard people, I've known people share those stories. I've never had that experience. But you know, I, because I didn't have that experience, I said I don't hear from God. That's where the danger comes in. That's the trap of the lie. That is where it says if it doesn't look like this, you don't have that same thing. I've heard people talk about how they were both ready to engage in sin and they heard an audible voice that said stop. And they're like, who said that? And they both heard it. That's kind of cool. And so there's these extreme situations where even Paul, if you remember the story, he had a bright light and got knocked off a donkey. I don't know what's up with donkeys, but Acts 9 says, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, here's where a lot of confusion comes in. is because I would suggest to you in this passage that Jesus was trying to reach Paul for a really long time. I would tell you that this was Paul's like, all right, I'm going to go after the donkey now. Like, I think Jesus was trying to reach him many times before he knocked him on his butt. And he did. And some of us have had some amazing encounters with God where he does this dramatic move and all of a sudden, whoa, like, that's incredible. And you're just like on fire. And you're like, do that again. And now you've come to expect that extreme and dramatic response. And when he doesn't, all of a sudden you get bummed out. I had someone who had this amazing encounter. And there's like, I hear God's voice. It's amazing. And the next day she's like, I hear nothing. What happened to me? It's like, nothing happened to you. Just because God uses a dramatic and maybe extreme way to reach you doesn't mean he always wants to go back to that way. The reason that Jesus put Paul on his butt to get his attention to say, I want relationship with you. It doesn't need to be this hard. 
And so if you have this extreme encounter with God, I think it might be Jesus saying, hey, man, it doesn't need to be this hard. Come on, we, we, we can, like, work this out in other ways. And so be cognizant that God may use an extreme encounter, but he wants to pull you close because in 1 Kings it talks about the voice of God being a still, small voice. That's what I identify with. Now, in my mind, I'll receive, like, almost phrases I'll receive ideas, and I need to, like, kind of express it and extract it out. And it's there, and until I get it perfectly, it's, like, unsatisfied. I'll have an area, a topic, a subject, and I'm like, God, what is it about? And I'll, like, I'll start writing it down. I'll write, like, four or five versions until it's like, that is what God is saying. An example of this is when, when I was, like, being jealous of somebody else, and, and, and it was almost clear I could hear the words, not audibly, it's my own thoughts, but I expressed it for myself that it was saying, you will never fulfill your calling by being jealous of someone else's. I was like, that's way too good to be from me. <laughs> if you got something that's way too good to be from you, that's God's voice. Don't be ashamed that maybe you don't have that audible presence, but give your thoughts space to hear from him. For me, the voice of God comes in these pressings of my soul. That's the only, I was trying to like find terminology for it. It's like this pressing of my soul. It's like this, like someone's leaning on you. It's like, ah, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, and until it's satisfied, it doesn't feel right. And so I'll, I'll when I receive that, I, I agonize over it. Are you waiting for an audible voice? If you're in the camp that said, I don't have the audible voice and therefore God doesn't speak to me, I break that lie over you. That lie is not from Jesus. That is a lie from the pit of hell trying to make sure that you cut off any expectation to. If, if Satan has convinced you tonight that God only speaks in an audible voice, we break that in Jesus' name and says God speaks in all sorts and forms. The fourth is dreams and visions. We talked about last week how the prophetic is actually the sign that we're in the new covenant, Acts 2.17. It's the fulfillment of Joel in the Old Testament saying that you will know you're in the new covenant when the Holy Spirit comes. It says that your sons and daughters will prophesy. Woohoo! awesome, sweet. But also within that, he says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. The promise of the new covenant is that we would all be prophetic and the prophetic is not only prophecy but dreams and visions For dreams, for years, I just thought dreams were basically a result of bad food. <laughs> like, bad food, weird movie, bad email, I don't know, something. Something with like a stimulus always created a, a dream. And for, for years, I thought, I didn't, didn't give any notion to them. And you know what happened is I stopped having dreams. And it was crazy. It's like, people, do you dream? It's like, at night, no. In the daytime, kind of. Until one night I had this dream, and it was oddly specific. I had like Bill Johnson's phone. Do you guys know who Bill Johnson is? So I had his phone, and like seven people were coming up a hill trying to take the phone, and only I could figure out the passcode, and the passcode was this very specific number, and there were these different, like, it was very, very specific, and I woke up and I was like, I am really creeped out. Only because the details were so specific. I can remember the, the number to activate the phone. I thought, like, do I really have Bill Johnson's phone, you know, code cracked? I don't know. I don't even have his phone. It's weird. And so what I did is, like, 
I reached out to Chad Everett and Jared Eiler, and I'm like, hey, like, here's this really weird dream. And they detailed it for me. And this is the most transformational thing. It made perfect sense. And so now I keep a phone. Well, don't we all keep phones by us now? But before then, I didn't. But when I have a dream, I wake up and I write down because we were always like, I'm going to remember that in the morning. And you never do. But something happened when I started documenting my dreams and seeking out, Lord, are you speaking into this dream? Sometimes he didn't. That's okay. But you know what? Sometimes he did. And what I found is that he is going to give dreams to those who want to interpret them. If you don't have any dreams that God's speaking to you, maybe because you don't even take it seriously. Maybe you haven't made that an available place for God to speak to you. If you're in the camp that says, God doesn't speak to me in my dreams, you won't have any dreams that God is speaking to you. It's funny how that works. I believe that God will give inspired dreams to those who will respond to them. And the second part is visions. Now, this one is really misunderstood because people will think like visions are like trances, like, uh, you know, something crazy and weird. But vision is just visualization. I'm a very visual person. Someone like cracks a joke and like it's like, ah, like it's like a mental ambush. Like if it's like something kind of gross or something. My wife is, right now she's returning. She, I'm not even kidding. She's in North Carolina learning how to castrate creatures very efficiently. She's a vet. I should probably press it that way. She's a horse vet that is now, she's turning her attention to do small animal like dogs and cats. And she also has a heart to go do missions. And how do you use like your, your expertise in a third world country if you're a vet? Well, you cut things off and you like help population control. So she's learning like how to do this really well. She's like, yeah, I castrated 10 cats today. It's great. It's like, I'm so afraid now. So anyways, I was like losing where I'm going. Visualization's like, no, don't tell me that. You know, I'm like, or even like for a while when she was castrating horses, they have like these like, like jaws of life, right? Like these crazy tools. And she would like have to sterilize them, put them in the dishwasher and be like on the countertop. I'm like, oh, you know. So I'm like really visual, really visual. I'm beating this thing too far, I know. But vision, the reason I said it is it's the, the strongest prophetic gifting I walk in. And it's always like this like terrible thing, but you know what also happens? I have visions for building schools. We built a school in El Salvador, like 20 of us, or I mean 20 of us per year, over four years. None of us have a lick of experience building in third world countries. We go down there to do clean water filters, and three years later we go back there to build a school and we finished it. It's crazy. Why? is because we have this visualization to rebuild a school. It's like, I know it includes blocks. We'll try that. How many blocks does it take? Okay, we'll buy those. And this visualization is what God was stirring on my heart. It's super powerful. And when I get an idea, I also get the emotions that come with it. I have ideas for this ministry. Like it, it, I, I'm there already experiencing it. And so that's the hard thing is like when we have vision is like, what do I do between now and there. And God speaks to me through vision because that gives me the purpose to pursue it. It gives me the mission, the objective. If you see visions, if you can visualize something happening, happening, and the best way I describe vision as something that could be or should be. That for me is what prophetic vision is. It's something that could be or should be, particularly should be. When I look at that school, I'm like, that school should be rebuilt. 
And God says, yes, try. What's the worst that can happen? They stay in their crappy school. What's the best thing that can happen? We give them a brand new school. The next is pictures and symbols. Now, this one's kind of fun because sometimes we get ideas and objects in our mind that make no sense to us. I don't think Zach's here, is he? Zach Allen? No. It'll punk. Last week, I go up for him for prayer. He's like, yeah, I got like this, this picture of, of handcuffs, but the, the hands are tied in handcuffs, but they, they're holding the key. Does that mean anything to you? He's like, it's really weird to me. I was like, that means a lot to me. He's like, what does it mean? I was like, it means I'll be held prisoner as long as I want. That's what that means. It means I'm choosing to be imprisoned. I have the key. I just don't want to unlock it. He's like, whoa. I was like, yeah, it's crystal clear. Because there are decisions that I know that they are unpleasant that I need to make. There are difficult situations that I know that I need to confront, but I don't. Why? Because they're unpleasant. But they hold me captive, and I have the key. It's like, that's spot on. He's like, that's the first prophetic word I've ever given. I'm like, congratulations. He's <laughs> like, I don't know if I was watching like, too many TV episodes or what happened there. But we find this in Acts 21, where Agabus, what a name there, came down from Judea. It says, and he came to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will, will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And so if you're praying for someone or you get an image or you get a picture, it might be the prophetic speaking through you, about you, to you, to someone else. These paintings, like, that, so many times, like, someone will paint something, like, I'm just going to paint whatever I want. It's just like, that represents my life right now. Can I have that? You need to know that that was instrumental. So we have these, these things around us that welcome that expression. The last is this, is your own thoughts and words. How does the prophetic operate? Through your own thoughts and words. Many times our own thoughts and words are the actual thoughts and words of God. This one's hard to digest. Because we're looking for something that's kind of like notarized from God. Maybe like a glory cloud comes down or at least a dove or something. We want confirmation that it's actually from God that something says, thus says the Lord. It doesn't work that way all the time. Or I want to say it doesn't work that way, but I don't know. Maybe for someone else it does. But through your own thoughts and words, Matthew 10 says, at that time you'll be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You have the capacity to be the words, the voice of God. How many times do we hear someone say that, oh, God, God really spoke through Waterbury, or God really spoke through Eugene, or God really spoke through Tara, or Brian, or, or someone, and, and we're like, wow, like that's God speaking through them. If you've ever been on the receiving end of that, it's amazing. But we say it all the time. We didn't even realize that God actually will use your words, your mouth, your thoughts to, what, to say what he wants to say. Have you ever been impressed with something that you advise some, someone else? That's the Holy Spirit. There's been times where I'm like meeting with Waterbury, and he'll be like giving me like, you know, something really good. And, like, I'm, like, bringing a challenge. Like, he'll tell it to me straight, and then he'll, like, come down to his phone. And he's like, I'm like, can you, like, leave the text messages alone? He's like, oh, no, like, this, is part, this part's for me, too, you know. And he's like, 
I'm making a note for myself. Now, that sounds really arrogant, but only if you have the wrong paradigm for how God uses the prophetic. That only sounds arrogant if you have the wrong perception of the prophetic, because sometimes you should be able to give someone advice and then be able to say, I need to apply that advice. God is not afraid to inspire your words and thoughts and let you get the credit. He doesn't mind that. He doesn't need it to come in these grand manifestations. He is totally fine with speaking through you. And so trust that God is not afraid to speak through you and acknowledge that he probably already has. That's the other great thing. As you are prophetic, I guarantee you that God has spoken through you and you just never knew it. And when we realize these things, these should change. This should change the way we think about the prophetic. How you guys doing? Can I keep going? Do you want to know something crazy on this topic? Is a lot of Christian discipleship actually teaches you how to be numb to these things. A lot of Christian discipleship teaches you how to be numb to many of these things I just talked about. And it comes under very noble terms. It comes under the terms dying to self. For me, I remember like for my Christian discipline was like discipline myself and disciple. And I had some like really hardcore people who were like all into discipleship and it was all about the self-discipline and dying to self, dying to self. But here's the thing is that Dying to self isn't even in the Bible. You're like, die to self, die to self. Like, isn't it in the Bible? Nope, it's actually a misinterpretation of deny yourself. Deny yourself, it's Matthew 16. And Jesus says, anyone who comes after me must deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me, he's talking about salvation. He's saying, you can't get to heaven by yourself. You must deny your effort. And look at the cross. The cross is how you reach heaven. And so you have all these people, right? Like when we're saved, the old man dies, right? We have a new man. Very, very important. The old man died, dead, gone, buried with Christ, risen with Christ, crucified with Christ, all those things, right? Old man is gone. New man here. New creation. Prototype. Amazing stuff. That's who you are. We have all these Christians trying to kill off the prototype, Because they're operating in the mindset that they're still unsaved. And so they're trying to deny and die to self when Christ has said, that man is already gone and dead. And you're trying to eliminate the new creation that has the mind of Christ, that hears God's voice, that is being taught by his spirit. Stop trying to kill him. He wants to live. He wants to speak. He wants to engage with you. And you're trying all that you can to deny yourself. Be clear that if you're in Christ, the old self is gone. He's dead. You don't need to keep killing him. But you need to listen to what the new man has and does. That's why Paul says, put on the new man. The old guy's gone, but you have the mind of Christ. You hear God's voice. You are his presence. Operate from that. And so for a large part of my life, here's where it came to me, is that I was discipled into not hearing God's voice. And I would suggest that many of us in this room have been in the same place. We've actually been discipled into not hearing from God. For me, if you know me, I have a million thoughts running through my mind at all times. 
all times. I'm even thinking about something right now. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> kind of, though. And for a long time, it's been this affliction of my faith. I can't read the scriptures because I'm thinking of the other things. And like, you're bored with Jesus. Like, stop being bored and be in love with you. Like, like hardcore stuff, right? So I'm like beating myself. Like, come on, praying for people, getting all sorts of different thoughts and ideas. Like, oh, stop it. And for my entire life, I missed that this is God's voice speaking to me. And I was trying to disciple it out of me. That now when I'm praying for someone, I get a crazy thought. I just say it. One time it was like, I see a toilet. And someone's like, whoa, how did you know that? I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> but part of it was I was crucifying my flesh, denying myself, dying to self out of hearing God's voice because I was taking all the cues that God wanted to speak through me, and I called it distraction. If you don't hear God's voice, if you're not engaged with him, maybe you've been fooled that the prophetic is actually a distraction. You might be eliminated in the unique things that make you you. Now, these are just examples. And here's my ending point. And would the band be willing to come back up? Here's where all the, the so I, I gave you six. Six personalized things. Remember, diet itself doesn't work because all those things you just saw, they were coming from yourself, right? I have another message maybe I'll, I'll give in two weeks about how we hear God from other people. But tonight I want to talk about you. But here's the bottom line between all those is this, is that prophetic expression is personalized to you. Prophetic expression is completely personalized to you. We have a monkey see, monkey do mentality that if someone else does it, I need to do it. Now, while that might work in some cases, it doesn't work for the prophetic. The prophetic is a personal expression between you and God. You can't copy someone else's prophetic expression because that is their expression. And God wants one for you. God is a creator, not a duplicator. He, does, he doesn't need to be efficient in how he expresses his prophetic nature in you. He's totally fine with it being unique. For me, like, I get... I get Encounters with God in the weirdest places. In the shower regularly. It's like, really here? Like, you know? And I'm just like, okay. I go, like, I, I've tried to waterproof my iPad several times. Because it, like, now I need to take short showers because I just can't handle it. And I'll come out, like, reciting, like, different things out of the shower. I was like, what's... But you need to know that the prophetic expression is entirely unique to you. Whatever it is you do and whatever, who you are and, and what you are about, God is going to speak to you in that way. I have a four-year-old girl and a two-year-old son. It would be crazy for me to try and talk to my son in the same exact way that my daughter needs me to talk to her. I'll completely miss his heart. God is not a one-size-fits-all with this. And so as my son is different than my daughter, like I actually have to like consider my son and like how is he going to best hear from his daddy? And then I speak to him in that way. And then for my daughter, how do, does my daughter best hear from daddy? And I speak that way. I become like them in their position to hear me. God is not so prideful. He's not going to come down to your level and speak to the way that you will hear. So in talking about activating the prophetic, you don't need to try or 
or strive. Or like it, it shouldn't have to be difficult. It's going to be natural. All you need to do is like look at your loves and passions and say, God, are you in, inside this? God, are you inside this deep love that I have? Like these people who love music, you can't tell me that God is not speaking to them through them, through their worship. And so God will activate the prophetic in you in whatever form you best receive. A loving father will always choose to speak to his children in the way that they will understand. If you get nothing else tonight, get this, is that in hearing God's voice, being activated in the prophetic, a loving father will always choose to speak to his children in a language they understand, in a way they understand. Don't try and adopt someone else's gifting. It's not yours. It's fine if it happens to be similar, the same, but don't let that be the standard. Totally embrace that you're going to be ready to hear from God in whatever form or fashion he wants to share to you. So if you're going to be activated in the prophetic, you need to first believe that it exists. You need to believe that it is for you. You need to believe that it's personalized for you and it might look drastically different than anything you've ever thought or seen. Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to ramp up how you encounter God in your life? That's my prayer for tonight. I'm going to welcome our leadership team up. If you are here, could our leaders come up? I want to do something kind of fun tonight. Because the Bible makes a big deal of laying on of hands. So if you are here tonight, you're like, shoot, I want to hear God in these ways. I want to have my heart. I want to have the scriptures come alive. I want to have my dreams intervene. I want to have that symbol, that picture. If I want to have those things, would you come forward? Can we lay hands on you? If that's you, could you come up right now? We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray. We're going to declare together. Don't be afraid. And if you want the volume turned up, you're like, I hear God, but I wish it was more. I wish it was bigger and deeper more vast. Don't be afraid. Let's all stand. open up your hands and posture to receive. Let me declare over you. God, we call forth hearts to feel the presence of God. I command every heart in this place to be awakened to you. We command hearts to be awakened to you. Hearts come alive. Hearts feel. No longer callous pain in your heart is broken in Jesus' name that you have been designed to have your heart have an exchange with God. We call forth your soul. Come alive when you read the word. Reading the scriptures is no longer an obligation. It's no longer a burden. It's no longer a complex. It's no longer a bummer. Come alive, soul. So when the words of Jesus are spoken before us, that they come alive and speak to us. We call forth a voice 
that can be perceived. We declare that God is not speaking to you in an unknown frequency. We declare God is going to speak to you in a way that you can hear and you can understand and you can interpret. And so, God, we call forth the voice that can be perceived and understood. I declare dreams and visions over you. Your dreams wouldn't be occupied by stressing out about what's tomorrow, that God would actually call forth your dreams and tell you what he thinks about you. Tell you what he wants to do in your life. I call forth vision that you would see what could be and what should be. You have the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ has thoughts. You have God's voice and God speaks. You are taught by his spirit and you're the recipient. We just call forth your ability to reason and recognize dreams and visions. We call forth a recognition of symbols and pictures. Though you might have ADD, I don't know, but God is going to speak to you through random pictures and images. Stop calling the works of the devil the things that God has given in your heart and your mind. That you would have specifics given into you, into your mind, and that you'd be able to tap into and ask God, what do you want to say in this? I declare a boldness for you to be unashamed of what you receive. Like the handcuffs and the keys. You say, I just have this picture. Does it mean anything? That you're not embarrassed. That you're not insecure. I call forth clarity that all your thoughts are not only you. Not every thought that you have originates from you. That you'd actually walk in the trust that God uses your mind. He actually puts ideas in your mind because you share the same mind. That you would not disciple out the distractions. You'd not disciple out and, and self-discipline yourself from hearing his voice. So I call forth clarity of all your thoughts. And we release you to be the physical, tangible presence of God. The reason you have the prophetic is to reveal God's heart. The reason you have the prophetic and you were made a prophetic being is you've been created to reconcile all things back to God. You've been made to hear, to know, and to hear the thoughts of God's heart and to proclaim them. The scriptures say what you hear whispered in your ears proclaimed from the rooftops. You're the tangible presence of God walking in flesh. I break all false humility. False humility is a killer of the prophetic. You'll never hear from God as long as you try and keep deflecting to someone else. It's okay to say I hear from God. It's okay to say this is what God is telling me. It's not bragging. It's not being arrogant. We reject false humility and say, God, thank you for thinking thoughts in our mind, speaking to us and learning with us. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to worship now. We'll still be at the front to pray with you. Let's enjoy this time.